0: Conscious monkeys. Before we start the show, I must warn you that there are ads throughout this podcast episode. If you'd like to get the show ad free, you're able to get access by downloading the official traveling to consciousness app. It's available in the Google Play store and iOS store. I will note that there is a small monthly fee associated to get these episodes ad free. And this is an important part. Make sure that any purchases you make, you make on the website travelingtoconsciousness.com because products are going to be 15 to 30% more expensive through the app. Because you know, the big boys got to get their own check. Even though you're purchasing this stuff through the website, you will still be able to enjoy all this content on the app. Now, if you prefer the free route, you can get a free login on the app, and that will grant you access to challenges and notifications when new episodes arrive discounts, exclusive content, and so much more. All of this just by searching Traveling to Consciousness in your phone's app store, or click the link below. Now, Conscious Monkeys, let's get the show started.
1: spiritual journeys to find
0: answers in uncertainty. What is up, conscious monkeys? Welcome to another episode of Traveling to Consciousness. As always, I am your host, Clayton Terry. Today's guest is a microdosing queen. I found her on TikTok with her amazing videos talking about microdosing, the powers of shrooms and ayahuasca. And it's honestly just super relatable content. So, and I don't think I've really found anyone who has really kind of specific, specified, has been on that niche, <laughs> we'll just skip the word, who has been on that niche um, pretty hard on TikTok. So if you're interested You'll have to find her link below. But as for now, stick in here because Conscious Monkeys, welcome to the show, Marissa Phillips. Marissa, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited. It's it's kind of cool because there really aren't any isn't anyone else who is really talking about microdosing. I'm not sure if you've found people, but for me... I like, found
1: some people here and there, but it's definitely very niche, especially on TikTok right now.
0: Yeah. And maybe there's something with, I know whenever you kind of post it, there's like some like, how do you, how do you do it? You usually like we we'll put like numbers or something in the word. So it's like this quasi getting around the barriers almost.
1: <laughs> yes. Cause unfortunately TikTok's really strict on that stuff. So unless I censor it, it'll get taken down, but you gotta do what you gotta do to get the message out there.
0: It's all about updating, going with the flow, right? Totally. Which brings up something we were talking about in the green room just before this, which was like the idea of anxiety. And you were talking about how yesterday you were anxious because you've always been wanting to get on a podcast. You were ready for it. You're excited. And then um, you felt this rush of calmness. And I was like, hey, like, you know, I still experience that myself. And then you started telling me about how when you were younger, you used to experience that with dancing.
1: Yeah. So I grew up a dancer. And I danced for so many years and I loved it. And even after so many years of performing, I'd still get nervous. But then the second I got on stage, just I instantly remembered everything. The magic kind of took over. And I feel like that's kind of how podcasting is so far, at least. But I feel like just anything in general in life, too. You're always going to be nervous to do something that's unfamiliar or new or just vulnerable. Anytime you're sharing a piece of your soul with an audience or whether that's through dancing or through TikTok, but I feel like the second you just let yourself go and stay in the present moment, that's when that anxiety kind of dissipates. And then you can just let your magic flow through you.
0: That's really a beautiful way to put it. Um, I've kind of always viewed it as, you know, me getting ready to do this thing, whether it's podcasting, usually podcasting. I don't really know too many other things that I found it with, but it's like, it it feels like there's like anxiety that's right up to that flow state. Cause for me, whenever, whenever I press record for some reason, like, it's almost like, you know, like you said, with falling into the present moment, it's like, I'm, I'm in the zone. It's like, there's, there's not really any messing up per se. It's like, even if something goes wrong, my dog starts barking or something else, it's like I I somehow am able to find a way in order to incorporate it into the episode and make it work. So I'm curious if you've seen that with dancing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've definitely messed up in dances before, but they always teach you just to, like you said, just incorporate it back into your routine. And it's so funny because It's happened to me before and after. I'll be like, oh my gosh, like I messed up on this part and on this part. And then I'll like talk to my family about it and ask them if they saw anything. And they're like, no, like it looked so seamless. Like, unless you said anything, I would have never even noticed that. And there's a so yeah, it's just kind of that same thing.
0: And there's a beautiful story on there about how like we're our own worst critics, you know, like you being upfront and center. I mean, maybe your parents are up front and center in the audience, but you're literally up front and center, the embodiment (laughs) of what you're trying to do. And it's like you can find all those little nitpick things you know, about your dance, but yet the average person or even someone who's there in that present moment with you doesn't even see them because I I don't know. I don't know if there's some sort of embodiment of like when you're in that flow state, it's like you think it's a mistake yet Maybe it was supposed to happen. I don't know if that makes sense.
1: No, I totally get what you're saying. For me, I feel like I've always just been very much someone who's in their feminine energy and in their yin. And I feel like dance is like such a perfect embodiment of that because I feel like to me, feminine energy is like water, and then the masculine energy is a container. And no matter where it goes, it just holds the shape of the container. So when you can just let yourself go, whether that's through dance or plant medicine or just living life in general, I feel like whenever you're just in that flow state, it just takes the form of whatever you're doing. And it's just this pure unbridled energy that it's just so beautiful. And it's so fun to watch. Like, I love watching people do something that they're passionate about, because you can just feel it through whatever medium that might be.
0: It's so true. And I even recognize this even with like a chiropractor, because I had a chiropractor who's actually been on the show episode seven, if anyone's interested. And he like absolutely loved what he was doing. Like whenever I went in to see him for the first time, like, he had every answer. You could feel the energy. He was passionate about it, everything. And I was like, all right, damn, like, let's try chiropractor. Like this dude is on it. Like, I just want to be a part of this dude's life, honestly, in a way. And then, you know, flash forward, I think it was probably about 10 to 11 months. Well, probably longer than that. Jeez, almost a year after that actually happened. Um, I was with my dad and he was going through these problems and I was telling him like, Hey, you should find a chiropractor. Well, the chiropractor that he found was, You know, my dad calls him up. He's like, Hey, I'm interested in getting adjusted, like blah, blah, blah. And the chiropractor, and he's like, you know, he's like, Oh, okay. Like we can do that. You know, like, all right. Like very short, not very present, not in that state of like that energy of like wanting to help of understanding that this modality is what he's chosen with his life purpose in order to help people get better. And you could just hear it. And then I could hear it in my dad's voice as he's retelling the story and my dad stopped going after like two sessions because he was like, yeah, like, I don't know if it's working. I don't know what to expect. And, and I'm like, well, well, did he tell you about the process? Like, because my guy told me about like this whole three month process, what happens when you adjust the spine? Like he was getting into the nitty gritty and I'm sitting there like absorbing it. And my charismatic question taking, like I'm diving into it and he's just loving it. And you know, it was like, it was almost like I fell into his flow state with him. And yet with my dad's experience, it's just like, all right, come in, we'll crack you and then you'll go on your way. And I'm like, well, you know, to go back to it, it's like you can't find that. It's like you can feel when somebody isn't doing what their flow state or maybe even what their soul is calling them to do.
1: Oh, totally. And I feel like all of us come in with a blueprint of what our soul wants to do. But I just feel like our system, especially our school system, is just not set up to support that. And I feel like, especially in Western society, school's very left-brained and logical, and it's not really built for more right-brained, um, I guess, feminine archetype people. So I feel like when we come in with these gifts, but then we're taught that they're not important or they're not um, productive in our society and then we just beat these poor kids out of their innate gifts that they already came here to be and then when they're older they have no idea what they want to do because it's just been beaten out of them by the system so I feel like now especially we're starting to move towards more passion-based learning I've noticed which is so awesome like I hope when I have kids that the school systems are more built to support their innate gifts And I feel like you can just, like you said, like you can feel it when someone's not passionate about what they're doing. And it's just not attractive at all. But when you're in your flow state, when you're in your passion, people can feel that. And then once you're in that state, you'll attract so much more than you would if you weren't in that
0: state. Oh, for sure. And it's because, right, it's because you are doing what your soul came here to do. It's you know, and I think there's something to be said for people who rise to the top of their industries is you can hear that in their voice. Like I was just listening to uh, what podcast was I listening to? Oh, Mr. Beast on Joe Rogan. Are you familiar with Mr. Beast?
1: I've heard of him. My brothers really like him, but I'm definitely a huge Joe Rogan fan. In fact, I was just listening to one of his podcasts before this. So that's very synchronistic. (laughs) You bring that up.
0: Well, you'll have to check it out, but I bring it up because Mr. Beast is a YouTuber. He's, you know, for who, for those who don't know, he creates YouTube videos and they're absolutely insane. Like there are productions, like he was talking about, I don't know if you saw the squid games one, but he reproduced squid games and it costed like $4 million. Like this dude just makes videos and he like, doesn't take any money out of it. Doesn't even care to make money on it. And he's literally just just doing it because he absolutely loves it. But the reason I bring it up is because he tells this whole story about how like making it on YouTube was like his thing. You know, like this was like 11 years ago he started, he was like, there's no backup plan. It's, it's a wild story in and of itself, but I highly suggest check it out because it, it highlights exactly what we're talking about with this, this flow state of how it's like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Like He knew that his soul was called to make YouTube videos. And so he just doubled down on it. And I mean, now he's one of, if not the biggest YouTubers on YouTube.
1: That's so awesome. I feel like I've heard about him doing Squid Games. I was hearing someone remade Squid Games on YouTube. Mm. So that's probably him. But yeah, just like you said, when you go into it, because you love it and you want to... Um, inspire people or help people and just do what your soul is called to do, then it's like then the money just comes in and you don't have to worry about it because you're so magnetic when you're in your soul's blueprint and doing exactly what you came here to do.
0: And yeah, that's actually really interesting. Two things here that are really interesting. Number one, I think what's calling to me right now is you saying soul's blueprint because you've said it a couple times and it's not something that I've really – heard as a phrase until actually the last person who would have just been the episode before you and I actually put it in his title of like finding your soul's blueprint so I
1: oh my gosh how funny (laughs) right
0: I've, (laughs) I've never heard it before but like even in that podcast I was like whoa like this is a dope like you know metaphor because we all kind of come into this world with a blueprint of like what we decide that we wanted to learn whenever we get here when we did our whole incarnation and you know it It takes some time, especially in the society that we have set up, as you mentioned, to actually realize what it was that we came here to learn. And then not only to learn, but to embody that flow state or find that flow state in our life.
1: Yeah, for sure. And honestly, I've always kind of believed, even though I haven't always been into spirituality as I am now, because I grew up LDS, a.k.a. Mormon, And I always kind of attributed my spirituality to the church, not realizing mm. that really it was within me the whole time. But even then, I always kind of felt that I had a specific thing that I came here to do. Was it what I expected it to be? Not necessarily, mm-hmm. because I never, if you would have told me a couple years ago that I would be into plant medicine and like energy healing and all these um esoteric concepts i would have been like what the hell that is nowhere in my life path i would never be into that stuff but then sure enough life just takes you places you never would have expected and honestly i wouldn't have it any other way because i feel like even though it hasn't been the easiest path necessarily i feel like it's been so much more rewarding and healing and beautiful than I ever could have imagined my life looking like.
0: It's honestly amazing that you're on that side, let's say of it, because I'm hearing a lot of parallels, especially with my life where, you know, you, I don't know if you did, but I personally bringing back in the school situation from earlier, it's like, you know, going through that anger phase of like, wow, I went to college for this. I'm a hundred grand in debt for this. I loved learning about it, but I don't actually love implementing it. It's like, you know, and then you kind of get to the other side of it. It's like, okay, are you really going to spend all of your time just being mad about this or realize that there's a lesson in here to learn? And I think once you're, once you kind of make that flip of, instead of being angry, that shit happened to you, like looking for the lesson in it, I really think like, that's probably the pivotal point where you start to like exponentially expand of, oh, like there's no such thing as positive and negative. Like I should just learn from that. Like that was just a lesson that I haven't learned from. Oh, okay. Like Oh my I'll just gosh, yes. Take that to the 10th degree.
1: Totally. Yeah, everything you said, I feel like you really nailed it on the head because I feel like, yeah, I could be upset that I didn't necessarily have certain experiences I wanted to have or that I didn't grow up with this spirituality that's helped me so much and that I grew up religious instead. but. I'm not like upset at all that I grew up in the LDS church. I feel like even though I don't necessarily agree with all their teachings, I feel like it's still the foundation of my spirituality I have today even. And I feel like a lot of people are really angry and upset when they leave the church. And I totally get there definitely is some emotions to process through when that happens because I feel like it's a very life altering thing when you go through a faith transition. But I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't angry at all. I was just way more drawn and excited by my own spirituality that it kind of just fell away. Mm. And I feel like now I'm just, I feel like I have kind of a more holistic worldview on spirituality because I grew up in a church and religious-based spirituality spirituality. And now I get to experience the other side of just my own personal spirituality. So I can very easily see both sides and both perspectives of people that are in them. So I feel like it helps me relate to both sides of the equation.
0: Well, absolutely. And it's amazing you say that because that's something I've also thought myself. It's like, you know, I'm i was in a place in my life where i was like super right side of the brain you know definitely in my wounded masculine for majority of my life i was very logically minded very much you know my way or the highway and you know up it's like you know if i'm at the point where i'm at now right it's like if i would have just been born into this or came into this knowing the spirituality i did it's like how in the world would i be able to connect to people who are still in their wounded masculine in their logical mind it's like there's no way for me to be able to possibly relate to them had i just come in knowing what i know now it's exactly what you're saying where now that i am aware of let's say the pitfalls of our society where we're at and we'll definitely come back to this with the masculine and feminine energy but it's like now that i'm past that and kind of seeing seeing it from a perspective that's like more of like a bird's eye view it's like oh okay now i can help people move along this path and to your point like tying in religion to this i was brought up presbyterian and a huge message i don't think presbyterian really breeds this it's more with the catholic church but this belief that like they're the barrier between us and god it's like you have to go through the church to Mm -hmm. get to god it's like you know it's me but then if you want to make it to the next step you have to be good with us so we'll get you to god and You know, I always saw that as like not making sense to me. It's like they're just human as well as me, as I'm a human. So why is it that God chose them? Like that never made sense to me. And what broke me through was actually shifting my perspective on the Bible because there was this other element where people believe that, you know, the dogmatic element where the earth was formed within seven days, you know, the Garden of Eden actually occurred, you know, all that stuff. And then it's like, well, but scientifically speaking, the universe started, you know, 4 billion years ago. Humans weren't around till 2 million years ago, yada, yada, yada. But I was like, well, so something's, amiss- something's misfiring here. And it wasn't until realizing like, oh, science just came around 300 years ago. Well, it depends. I guess astrology was a bit longer, but that's a whole different conversation. The point being is that the core messages in the Bible outweigh science by so much time. It's like, you know, they're not even written in the same framework. So then I started examining the Bible from a metaphysical lessons point of view. And that was when I was like, oh, shit, like these stories aren't supposed to be taken literally. It's like these are more guidelines of these common themes that keep occurring within society. And we need to write it down so that the next generation can maybe figure it out and add something onto it that we're not seeing. Conscious monkeys, I need to tell you about these psychedelic fabric mushrooms that are absolutely incredible that have just come across. They're all one of a kind and are honestly a perfect trip buddy. They're an incredible addition to anyone's like house or room. You take psychedelics and you have a certain spot that you like to go and relax. You're going to have to check out these Aquarius mushrooms. These high-end mushrooms are made with 100% recycled material and are all one of a kind. Honestly, these mushrooms are something I'm not going to be able to describe in words alone. You're going to need to check out the link below and search to see if you can find one that resonates with your soul. Remember, they're all one of a kind and made from 100% recycled material. Aquarius mushrooms, premium mushrooms for the new age of enlightenment. Get yours today. And with that being said, Conscious Monkeys, let's get back to the interview.
1: Oh my gosh, I completely agree with you on that. I recently have been getting really into Neville Goddard's teachings on the Bible, because like you were saying, it's more of a metaphysical metaphor more than anything to me, especially of our subconscious and how we create through that. And I feel like for a while, I kind of just pushed away all forms of Christianity just because I wanted to me, Jesus was tied to Mormonism and I just wanted nothing to do with it but especially this past year, as I've been getting more into manifesting and the law of assumption, I've come across teachers like Neville Goddard who teach that, no, actually, this isn't meant to be taken literally. This is literally a metaphor for your subconscious mind and a literal instruction manual on how to create and manifest for yourself. So I feel like when you look at it that way, it makes so much more sense. And I feel like it just makes all the teaching so much more powerful too.
0: Right. I mean, and to even take this to the next level is, you know, the story of like Cain and Abel. And this is where this is where I was like, holy shit. Like, this is where it actually like – this is where my logical mind connected to – I think this is probably the first time my logical mind connected to, uh, you know, my, let's say, emotional, spiritual, feminine side was whenever – the connection was made between, um, I think the first connection was like through the Lion King or, or understanding the archetypical story of the Lion King compared to the Bible. But and, but let me break this out a little bit different because there's a different message coming through, which is the story of Cain and Abel. And I'm not sure how familiar you are with Cain and Abel, but essentially the story plays out where they're like the dueling brothers, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. Cain was kind of perfect. And Abel was essentially the, the second child, not as not as loved by his parents as much. And so he kind of was always like mad at the society, mad at the world. And Cain was like always trying to help him. And then like, you know, push comes to shove and Abel like stabs Cain in the back, you know, so to speak, steals all of his shit. And, you know, it's like this metaphor of the dueling brothers. And so where this broke me was whenever I started to realize or it was at least shown to me that all of the most powerful stories, the top grossing stories by money, all had these same stories within them, had the dueling brother. You know, you had Star Wars. You have um, – I'm losing my train of thought. Oh, in Marvel series, it would be like Thor and Loki. If you mm-hmm. have um, the Batman, it's Batman and the Joker. It's like – They're these two entities, these two embodiments that like the one is standing for meta, like quote unquote good, the other one standing for quote unquote bad. And yet they kind of enable, (laughs) not to use that word, but to enable each other to bring out the most, um, either, I guess the best or the worst in each other. Like they kind of enable each other in order to create this structure around them that, and the proof's in the pudding whenever it comes down to money, because we spend all of our money to watch these stories being played out again and again. And you know, there's a, there's a, I'm just rambling now, but there's a really recent movie, uh, The Northman, I think, where that same exact story plays out. It's, it's crazy.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Now that you say that, I'm starting to go through all these movies too, and I didn't realize until you mentioned that how prevalent this archetype is throughout all of pop culture, which really just shows how much we subconsciously relate to it and um can see it in our own lives. I feel like to me, I don't know if this was what Neville said exactly, but I'm pretty sure he was talking about Cain and Abel. But one of them, again like going back to feminine and masculine energy, one of them was like kind of the I guess not feminine and masculine energy, but the energy of duality, one is like supposed to represent darkness and our shadow side. And then the other one is supposed to represent our light side. And really, neither one of them are good or bad. They just are. And then when they come together, that's when you can reference them. And because you know what they're not, you then know what they are.
0: Exactly. Like Alan Watts,
1: yeah. he, oh my gosh, he explains this so much more beautifully than I ever could. But he talks about like the yin-yang fish and how you don't know the white one's black without seeing the black fish and without, and then vice versa. And just the way he explains it is just so beautiful and just shows how much duality just is at the center of our world and how literally nothing could exist unless its opposite existed.
0: Well, okay, and so we can actually take this to a pretty deep place if you're interested. And oh yes, <laughs> all right, I got your <laughs> I love confirmation. Going
1: deep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect. So exactly what you're laying out, right? It's like this idea that poor cannot exist without being rich. Like it's not possible for us to be able to conceive what it means to be rich if there's no barrier to measure it against, like being poor. And so, right, it goes back to what you're saying with the colors, like like black doesn't exist without white. It's like, well, like, it's almost like the idea of nothing is less than black. It's like black is something, but nothing is less than black in a sense. So Mm -hmm. if you don't have black without white, then you have nothing, which isn't black, right? It's a little bit different. And where I was going to take this to a deep place is the idea of peace versus war. It's like, it's hard to understand what it means to have peace without there being war. Now. Mm. integrating that idea with the fact that earth is like this training ground for lessons, essentially um, I've heard it referenced as being the most polarizing place in the universe. I'm not a hundred percent sure how to take all of that, but you know, take it for what it is based on its earth chakras and whatnot. But <laughs> we don't have to go too deep down that the reason I bring it up is because, you know, if we're living on this polarizing place to learn life lessons and to understand polarization you know i'm stuck at now this thought of we're all striving for peace right but if we ever Mm -hmm. attain peace how quickly will it be that we forget what peace actually is because if there's no war on earth that it's impossible for us to conceive what peace is and so a part of me thinks that at some point we would forget what we would forget that we are actually living in peace and have war just so that we could re-remember what pieces
1: interesting, yeah, I never thought of it that way, but that brings me back to seminary lessons growing up in the church. I remember they had like this flowchart cycle of wars in the Bible and like in the Book of Mormon because it's they have a lot of similarities with um war and just nations against each other, but it just it's that same cycle where it starts out with peace and then people get not too lax, that's not the right word, but they almost need that conflict in order to re-remember peace. And then once they're at their peaceful state again, it's almost like it's almost like they need that to just like you said, no, just appreciate it that much more because now they know the opposite of it. And I feel like even just throughout history, there's cycles of peace and war. And it's just that same thing that repeats over and over again. So it's like, will we ever get past that? I mean, I hope at some point we will. But then part of me's like, I don't know, maybe, well, that's just part of our lessons to just keep going through this spiral that just never ends with the same lesson it just gets deeper each
0: time right and it's it's interesting because a a part of me thinks that it's like like it's almost like the point of it and even kind of when you're talking there it came to me that like it's almost like the point of it isn't to stop war but it's at least to be able maybe it's like to not stop war at a at a mass scale and instead it's to stop at least war within yourself Because that's
1: all that you can really do. Totally. And I feel like I love that you bring that up because no matter what is going on in the external world, I feel like we do have some control over it, but not total control over it. But as long as you can maintain your inner peace and inner world, then you have nothing to worry about because you know that no matter what happens in your life, I have me and I've been through stuff before, and because I have, I know that I can get through it again, and I'll always have my back, no matter what happens.
0: Hundred percent. I want to jump back to what we're talking about—the masculine and feminine energy. And I remember you said that you've mostly been in your feminine most of your life. Do you? Do you? Are you? Are you in the process of finding balance within that? And and or I mean, take this question how you will have you noticed that there was a shift into being more masculine in different areas of your life if a certain area was more feminine?
1: Oh, I love that you bring this up because this is a huge lesson for me. I feel like I've always been super in my feminine and I feel like it's my greatest gift, but also it's my greatest challenge because I feel like sometimes I'm almost too passive to life and I don't, assert myself and assert what I want to create and kind of just let things happen to me like I feel like my whole life I've just been in the passenger seat and I feel like especially this past year I've realized that there's been a huge imbalance in my life when it comes to feminine and masculine energy because with the yin-yang symbol even though it's mostly one or the other color there's still the opposite color within it and you need that to be fully embodied in your feminine or masculine and i've had to realize that i can't just meditate on the couch and just hope everything comes to me i have to actually go out and do stuff and i feel like doing that has infinitely it brought me way more than i could have done just on my own just in purely feminine energy which just shows how much we need not just one or the other but both and i feel like it was hard too because i feel like i went through phases too where i was almost in a masculine shield because i felt so just in my feminine that i felt like i had to suppress it especially in school and just work myself to death and in jobs like My senior year, I was so burnt out. I did, I was basically a full time student, and then I had three jobs because I was doing work release, which is basically a free period. Or I did like three of them, but you have to do a certain amount of hours in order to be able to pass. So I ended up getting like three jobs. I was so unhappy. I was like working myself to death. I was staying up late doing schoolwork. I was getting probably like five hours of sleep a night. And it just wore on me. I felt so anxious all the time. I felt depressed. I felt like I didn't ever take time to have fun because I was not living in my true blueprint of my feminine energy. And then I feel like after that, I kind of just completely, it it was almost like I didn't want anything to do with that masculine energy because I felt almost angry at it subconsciously because I felt like when I was too much in that shield, it just wore me down. So I feel like then I just went from being so in my masculine shield to completely just disregarding it. And just not taking any action on my goals and my dreams and just being so in surrender mode, just whatever happens, happens. I'll let the universe guide me. But now I know that I can surrender, but I can also take action. And when you marry those two together, that's when your manifestations come in. And that's when all the real magic Mm. happens.
0: Yeah, that's a big realization I had in my life is that, yeah, that whenever you notice that you're in one of those masculine or feminine just a bit too much, and you make that subtle shift. You just have to make a subtle shift the other way. Like manifestations, goals, they all just seem to just flow in like super quick, like within the next few totally. days. Totally. So how how did you kind of realize that you were overextending? I mean, because with the work it sounds like you were just overextending into masculine. And then that had this whiplash effect that pushed you into your feminine. How did you kind of how did you kind of notice or come to a realization that you were overextending I guess into one of the energies?
1: So I feel like our bodies are the first to tell you when something's wrong energetically. Well, I feel like first in your energy field, but I feel like that's hard to detect especially if you're not into meditation or spirituality and I wasn't really at that point, but I feel like just when you feel it you just feel it in your body. Like I felt so anxious and exhausted all the time. And it just got to a point where I realized I couldn't keep overexerting myself and living like this. And I had to make a drastic shift. And I realized now that it's more subtle than anything. And it's supposed to be more about balance instead of just swinging into the other side. But it was almost like because I was so extreme in one, like the pendulum completely had to swing to the other end so I I could experience the negative and positive of that as well. So that way I could know what aspects to keep in my feminine and what aspects to keep in my masculine so that I could fully integrate them into a specific formula that worked best for me because I feel like all of us, we all have our specific magic formula of feminine and masculine energy, and it's not so much about balancing one or the other, but more about just finding which formula works best for you.
0: That's an interesting way to put it. I Yeah,
1: thanks. I was kind of rambling there for a second.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're finding that flow state. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, it's interesting how you put that as well, because that's something that I experienced myself where, you know, first, probably 25, six, 25 ish years, I was definitely a hundred percent, like maybe not a hundred percent, but like 90, 95% in my masculine. And then, you know, I kind of realized like, oh shit, like I'm not being as nice as I could to people. (laughs) Like I thought I was, but you know, and then probably over the next two or three years, there's like a subtle shift, but then, it was probably about a year ago where it just like whiplashed into my feminine. I was like, all right, quitting my job. We'll see what happens. Going to go travel, no plans. Let's just do it, figure it out, you know? And I was probably in that for, I don't know, at least, you know, at least five, six, seven months. I'm probably still a little bit more in my feminine than I don't know. I'm I'm probably finding that balance regardless. (laughs) The whole point that I'm trying to get at is that I can definitely relate to that shift you're talking about where, you've been getting held into that strong, strong energy of one side or the other, and then taking that polarizing shift the other way, almost just to feel it. And it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier, where you need to have that experience of both and in in order to be able to find that balance for you.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it just reminds me too of, I don't know if you're into Abraham Hicks, but I'm sure you've heard of them, but they always talk about how you're constantly launching rockets of desire because you know what you don't want, so therefore you know what you do want. So in a way, it's such a blessing because now that we know what we don't like, we know what we do want in our lives and we know what we do want to feel like and you just need that opposition in order to realize that for yourself.
0: To almost make like the more fine-tuned adjustments in every aspect to get there.
1: Right, and I feel like the more you go... Throughout your life, it just gets even more fine-tuned. And then before you know it, now you know you're so specific on what you want that it's just so easy to come in because you know exactly what you want and your energy's not scattered everywhere and it's so contained in this one specific point of what you want.
0: So speaking of what you want, do you do you know what you want? Like with regards to Uh, My first thought is like with TikTok, like, like what I don't remember, I didn't really look at your profile too much recently, but like, what's your maybe objective with that? Like, what, what do you want to get out of that?
1: So I feel like for me, I've always kind of wanted to, um, do something in spirituality and healing. I'm not quite sure what that is yet, but I've started doing manifestation coaching and I really want to get into Reiki and make some podcasts and meditations. And overall, I just want people to, my mission I say is to help people remember their divinity, which is why I named my TikTok Divinity by Missa. And I like to just teach people and help. Really, it's not teaching. So I feel like we already know this, but just remind people that they're literally God, an extension of God incarnated in the flesh and that they can do anything they want and they're not limited by their past and they have the power to create and shift their life at any time because I know I was able to do it. And therefore, since I did it, I feel like, and even so it's an ever- Unfolding process, but I've pulled myself out of some tough places, and I feel like because I've done that, now people feel that, and it inspires them to do it too, and I can show them what's possible. So I guess to answer your question, I want to I want people to fully remember who they are so that they can live their most full, authentic lives and they can just set their souls on fire.
0: It's beautiful. And what I kind of heard in there is like, you know, you touched on is like, there's all these different modalities in order to get there, you know, Reiki, uh, past life regression, um, channeling. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. Have you, mm-hmm. and then integrating this with what we talked about earlier is like, have you tried those different modalities in order to see which one maybe aligns with you the most that you would want to learn to, I guess, use in order to help people?
1: For sure. So I've, I've kind of done a little, I've dabbled in a little bit of everything, but the main thing I feel most drawn to is manifestation. And then along with healing plant medicine, and I don't really know what that looks like for me right now. I would love to just be a shaman and, um, take people through journeys, but I, don't really want to do that in the US where it's not exactly legal, but maybe, who knows, maybe someday I'll move to Costa Rica and do retreats there, or maybe things will change here. But I do know that I am very called to plant medicine because that has helped me the most. So I want to share it with other people because I know how powerful and how beneficial it can be to people.
0: So what are you, if you're comfortable with it, what is like your history with plant medicine? What it like, what have oh you done? Gosh, how yeah. many times? I'd love
1: to get into Let's that. Let's get into it. So, so uh, this is kind of a long story, so I'll take it back for a little bit. But so again, during that time in my senior year when I was super anxious and depressed and burnt out and just not happy, I feel like my desire to get better was so strong that I feel like I sent out a call to the universe almost, and I just really wanted something that would really help me get better and feel so much happier and at peace within myself. And I feel like through my desire to get better, I attracted ayahuasca to me. And I had heard about it before on a podcast a couple of years ago, and I didn't really know what it was at the time, and it was just kind of briefly mentioned But I did hear like my own voice in my head saying, you're going to do that someday. And I was like, what? That's a drug. I'm not going (laughs) to do that. Like, what are you talking about? Drugs are bad. (laughs) That's so far from where my life's going right now. And then I completely forgot about it. And then this one week absolutely changed my life. So it was the week leading up to the lockdowns with COVID and the day before, actually, I listened I listened to another podcast about ayahuasca, but this time it was just about ayahuasca. It was Her Name's Wake Up With Wesley, a.k.a. Wesley Christiansen. She is the best. I was listening to her podcast for a little bit, and she's kind of into the same stuff you are, spirituality, expanding your consciousness, and just... Living Your Most Authentic Life, and she dropped her episode about ayahuasca, and I was like, wait, where have I heard this before? Like, This sounds so familiar, and then I listened to it, and I realized I had heard about it on that podcast a couple of years prior, but this time, I just, oh my gosh, I was just absolutely blown away by her experience, just the way she told her story just resonated so deeply with me i remember i was going to my dance class that day and i literally sat in my car for like 30 minutes finishing the episode just because i did not want to stop it and i did not want to go do anything else but finish this episode what blew
0: you away by it
1: just i don't know i think it was just so different from any other healing modality i had heard of
0: Conscious Monkeys, I need to bring your attention to this company that I've been using over the past few months, and probably longer now if you're hearing this, that has absolutely changed the way that I'm actually interfacing with the world. It's a company by the name of Conscious Technologies, and what they do is actually create these harmonizing units. And what it does is it actually takes the rotation of EMF frequencies that are in your area and harmonizes them. They make them in line with the true natural frequency of the universe around you. And they're incredible products. I actually went and I've tested out their quantum flow unit. I've tested out their meditation bed, their core harmonizer. And quite frankly, they were so incredible that I actually bought the cell phone EMF harmonizer for my cell phone. I was also lucky enough that Ross threw in a necklace as well. So I've been wearing that thing. And quite frankly, I'm even wearing it to bed. And my dreams have become so vivid and just intense that it's pretty insane. I honestly feel so grateful to have it. Their mission is to bring forth technologies that support the harmony of mankind and the world at large. Go check out their stuff. I mean, looking's for free. And if I'm being honest, if you click the link below and make a purchase, I do get some kickback. But quite frankly, I wouldn't be promoting it if it didn't work. So with that being said, go check them out. Conscious Technologies, LLC, link below. Now let's get back to the interview.
1: And I didn't even know this stuff existed. I did not know that um, people were drinking these psychedelic teas or medicines that could help, really help with anxiety and depression and just all these ailments and people were getting all these miraculous healings from them. So I was very drawn into that aspect. And now I realize it's really just you that heals yourself and all these medicines are just a medium. But at the time, that's kind of how I saw it and I almost put it on a pedestal. But anyway, going back to my story, so I heard about it and I was like, oh my gosh, I do not know how or when or where, but I'm going to set the intention to do this because this is where my soul is calling me to go. And I'm someone who am very much led by my intuition and emotions rather than logic. And I was like, I just, I have to do this. And I just put out the intention into the universe. And then the next day everything shut down. It was my senior year. Um I like, I was kinda sad, but I was more excited because now I didn't have to worry about all my schoolwork because they just let me drop most of my classes because I didn't really need any more to graduate. I just needed half an English credit. And now that I had that out of the way, I was so excited to dive into this world of plant medicine and spirituality. And I remember I wasn't even sad because I had so much time to do that during lockdown. And I just, it went from just a keen interest to like a full-blown, not like obsession, but just, I felt so deeply called to it that I just wanted to learn as much as I could about it. So then a few months go by and I have this feeling to. Google retreats in my area, which I don't recommend doing this necessarily. Luckily, it turned out good for me, but they say that you shouldn't just look up retreats on the internet. But it felt right to me at the time and I felt guided to it. So that's what I did. And then I saw that there's an ayahuasca retreat about 20 minutes from where I lived in like a month from when I saw the retreat. And just instantly I knew that. This was the retreat for me. This is the one that I called out to. This is my manifestation. Was this in the
0: states? Was this in the United States? Yes, it is in the states. That's interesting. So
1: yeah, then I signed up for it, and then, um, yeah, then leading up to the week of the retreat, I'm like getting ready. I'm kind of feeling. A bit uneasy because I feel like ayahuasca, I don't know if you've done ayahuasca, but she like works through you leading up to when you're about to take her these say So if you feel really anxious or depressed or have things come up that you need to work on leading up to it, then that's they say that's the spirit of ayahuasca helping you just heal before heal some stuff before you go really deep into everything once you get there. So I started to feel a little bit just, I just started to feel that process happening. And then the day of the retreat, I go and I was expecting more people to be there, but I was the only one who showed up. So I was kind of nervous about that. And I remember like getting out of the car and like looking around and I was like, "Oh my gosh, there's no people here. Like, is this the right place? Is this the right location? Did I do something wrong?" And then my shaman came up and introduced herself to me, and she was really nice, but I just felt like I was going to get kidnapped cuz it was like <laughs> kind of up in the mountains and I was by myself, so I was really nervous going into her house and I was like oh my gosh you're gonna get kidnapped Marissa this is gonna (laughs) be the last time anyone sees you
0: was it worth it no it
1: was it was worth it um and honestly like it was so meant to be that way because I've done retreats with people and without people not with ayahuasca but with mushrooms and I so much more Go, I just feel like I get so much more out of it if it's one-on-one, but it kind of made sense how there wasn't that many people there because it was like during a weekday, during the school year, so I under I could see why people wouldn't come, plus I feel like where I live it's not as popular, but anyway, I go in and um, she kind of explains to me the process and I just get so, so sad out of nowhere because looking back, I know it was just um, so much that I had been stuffing down coming up to the surface, and I knew at this point that there was no turning back. Every negative experience, everything I'd shoved down for years, I was going to have to deal with, and my ego knew this, and Uh my ego, she clings to stuff. And she did not want to let go of this because I had been identifying with um, all this baggage I had carried around my whole life for so long. And I like, after she explained everything to me, I went into my room and I instantly just started bawling. And then I called one of my friends that I had told I was going to be at this. And I was sobbing so hard that I literally could not get the words out. And I was like, and she was just like, you know, it's okay. Like, you don't have to do this. You got, you already made it this far. Um, If you want to do it, I'll support you. But if you don't, that's okay too. And I love you no matter what. And then I was like, you know what, I'm just going to sleep on this and I'll just see if I want to do it tomorrow instead. So then I told my shaman how I was feeling uneasy and she was like, you know what? Why don't we try microdosing you tonight instead of doing a full blown ayahuasca journey? And I was like, microdosing? What's that? And she's like, basically it's when you take a small amount of a psychedelic in order to feel some of the benefits of it without actually having a full blown trip. And I was like, Okay, was I this, can handle that. Was this
0: with ayahuasca or mushrooms?
1: Ayahuasca.
0: Okay. So microdosing so then- ayahuasca.
1: Yeah, so it was microdosing ayahuasca. I've never heard so of it. So then, that. sorry. Yeah, I know. I feel like it's not as common, but yeah, it definitely. It was. Oh my god, it was seriously the best first microdosing experience <laughs> I could have asked for. I like went outside, and she gave me a small dose of it, and I just sat out on her um blanket she laid out for me under the stars. And I just remember feeling the most profound sense of love that I had ever felt in my life. And I felt this tingling at the top of my head. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? I feel something at the top of my head tingling. And she was like, oh, that's your crown chakra opening. And that's ayahuasca kind of introducing herself to you and feeling into your body and your energy. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. (laughs) Because prior to this, I'd never had any energy healing experience. So just to feel something so strong come on so fast on my crown chakra, I was like, okay, there's definitely something to this energy wise that I didn't realize the depth of before. So then I went to bed. I still wasn't quite sure about doing a full blown ayahuasca journey. But I, so one thing I like to do is I like to ask for signs and guidance in my dreams. So when I went to bed that night, I asked my higher self and the universe, okay, if I'm meant to do this, please send me a dream or some kind of sign that I can do this and it will be okay. And if I'm not meant to do this, please let me know. So then I go to sleep and I have this dream where I'm sick and she's taking care of me and she's healing me. And I realized now that it was more not that she was physically healing sickness, but that she was healing spiritual sickness in my body. And I also got this very strong, clear message from my higher self that it's not the ayahuasca i don't trust it's not the shaman i don't trust it's myself i don't trust and that i already got here this far that i might as well just go through with it uh, and she deep. was like yeah she was basically like girl you got this you know who is You she? would not have been left here if you weren't meant to have this experience and you can trust yourself
0: who is she so who that- was she in your dream the shaman.
1: She was she was just herself in her dream in my dream. My shaman and my higher self were both in my dream, but they were two separate people. Like my shaman was helping taking she was taking care of me when I was sick and then my higher self was giving me these messages that I could trust myself and that mm. I could get through this experience. So yeah, then the next day I tell her I think I'm going to do this. Um, I think I just want to do it one time and then see how that goes. Because originally we were set to do two nights, but I just told her I want to do it just this one time and then we'll see what happens from there. And she was like, okay, awesome. I'll let everyone know that you're going to do it. Cause she had some yoga teachers and therapists that were going to come after to help me integrate at the end of my experience. And she also invited her daughter to come do it with us as well, because she had done it before. And part of my uneasiness, I think, was just going into it alone. So having her really just helped make all the difference, because seeing how she could get through it and how strong and um, just how embodied she was in her authentic self really just helped show me I could use this as a way to become more into my authentic self too. So yeah, she invited her daughter and then we both took it together. She was about my age. I remember I was so nervous leading up to Our journey and the way she dosed it was that instead of taking one huge drink at once, she took, she did small increments and then just kept giving me them until I started to feel it. So we did this for about two hours. And then I remember we were sitting on the grass and I was looking up at the trees and all of a sudden it was like, I could just see all the energy around them and I could just see how they were taking up space on earth and the energy field around us. And I could see just these like psychedelic patterns in the leaves, in the branches. And it just slowly felt like I was being transported off into this jungle realm, even though Uh I was in my home state and instantly like, the second I realized that that was happening, I started to freak out because I was like, oh shit, there is no turning back. Like, I'm going to have a full-blown ayahuasca experience and there's nothing I can do to stop it. Your ego was coming in. My ego was coming in. Uh It was so funny because it was initially, it was just so blissful. But the second that ego came in, was when all the anxiety and all the negativity started to come up. It doesn't want to let go. Yeah, because it did not want to let go. And I could feel that part of me slipping. And I didn't want that part to go because I feel like my ego had kept me safe so long, even though what I was doing wasn't necessarily the best for me. And I just started – I like – I remember I was laying down and I like shot up and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's happening. And then she like comes over and she like gives me a hug and she's like, it's okay. It's okay. Just surrender to the medicine. Like you're going to be fine. You got this. And then I just start like bawling and like bursting into tears. And she's like, oh my gosh, like what's wrong? You need to, and I was like, I don't know, I don't know. And she was like, You need to ask the medicine what this is, because this is how you're going to heal. You can't heal unless you get to the root cause of what's been causing your hurt. And then I remember I just blurted out, I've just felt so unloved my whole life. And I started falling. I mean, I was like wailing, like my whole body was like heaving sobs. And I just remember I was crying so hard I couldn't breathe. And she was just like, okay, remember to breathe, come back to your breath, come back to that breath. And I was just beside myself because I felt everything that I had not dealt with just come up times a million on steroids. And I knew in that moment I had to deal with this. I could not carry this around anymore. So then I kept freaking out because I was not surrendering to it. And it sounds so easy when they talk about surrendering to ayahuasca. But then once you're actually in it, I feel like people way underestimate how difficult it is. It's very much a mind over matter thing. You have to kind of get out ahead of yourself and your ego in order to let that go. So then she like stands me up to go for a walk, which I did not want to do because I could barely feel my body. I felt like I was like half in my body, half out my body. She was like, it's okay. Let's just go for a walk. And I was like, okay, all right, I really don't feel like doing that because my legs feel like they're cement right now, but I'll try. So then she like takes me out to this terrace place that overlooks the valley that I live in. And the whole time we were walking there, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And I just kept saying that I was going to die because part of me felt like I was going to die. And I knew that I had to kill off a part of myself. And then we like 100%. walked through before we got to this terrace, we walked through this like archway in her garden, and like immediately I got this download that this was like symbolic of me crossing over into the spirit world, so then we're like looking over at this ledge, and I say, "I'm gonna die right now, and then instantly everything goes black. I drop to the ground, she like has to catch me. I felt so bad because I landed on her wrist wrong but if, oh, and she kind of sprained it a little bit but like if she didn't catch me she would have probably I would have probably cracked my head open so oh, shit. shout out to her for sacrificing her wrist for me and then I remember that I opened my eyes and just instantly I felt so at home so back in my body because I realized that most of my life I wasn't even fully living in my body. I feel like I kind of had one foot in my body and one foot out. And I just remember looking up at the sky and it was the most beautiful sunset ever. And at this point, the hard part had kind of dissipated and I had released so much. And I was like, oh my gosh, what happened? And she was like, Marissa, you died. I felt your soul literally leave your body. What? and she literally said she thought she killed me because i wasn't moving for like 30 seconds and she was just like it's okay just trust the medicine it's going to be okay and then she said the instant i opened my eyes that she knew i had um i was okay and that i had released a huge part of myself that was causing me pain and that now i could be so much lighter and Freer and just more myself. And now that I had released that, I could further just enjoy life and this human experience. But that was my first ayahuasca journey in a nutshell.
0: You literally died and were resurrected.
1: <laughs> yeah, literally. She even said that. She said it was so interesting. She talked about the parallels between ayahuasca and the atonement. And she said, "It is a lot like the atonement because you have to die in order to be reborn again as your true self."
0: Well, because we re- what really stuck out to me there is like we, you know, uh, there's a couple ways to break this down. Number one is just like at an ego death level, where if you want to like propel yourself, and this is a great thing for if anyone's listening to this podcast and they haven't gone through anything similar to what you know you're talking about is you, you kind of have to be able to let your ego die in order for you to kind of grow and evolve. It's like, you know, you, you kind of have to die as a caterpillar in order to become a butterfly. And, you know, I, I find that really fascinating how I was like, I, I was kind of listening to the story and I'm just thinking there like, okay, it's ego death, ego death. But this is the first time I've ever actually heard of someone there. She believes that your soul actually left your body and then came back. Like, like almost, like what what did you kind of experience in that moment? Was it just all dark or what do you remember? Yeah,
1: so I wish I had some cool story about me seeing the spirit world or just meeting loved ones on the other side. But as far as I can remember, no. I mean, maybe I did, but I just don't remember. But I remember everything just went black and then all of a sudden I was looking up at the sky. Okay. But I really did feel like... I even if I didn't physically die and it was just a metaphor I definitely did feel like a part of me did die because I felt like something had left my energy field in my body that was just dense that I hadn't been dealing with and now it was finally not attached to me and not in like a like something outside of myself, but just my own stuff that I wasn't dealing with that I could finally release and let go of.
0: Conscious monkeys. Are you looking for a CBD cream that actually works? I've tried many different CBD products and I've really never truly felt like any of them have worked for me. Like maybe there'd be like a little bit of tingling and then it would fade pretty quickly. Then came along Revive CBD. From the first time I tried it on, I could tell that there was something different about this product. I noticed that any joint pain I had was gone within minutes of applying it, and it lasted for a significant duration. I don't have an exact time for you guys, but do your own test. (laughs) So if you're still looking for the right CBD cream, then this might be the right one for you, because if you resonate with my vibe, then maybe you'll resonate with this vibe. I actually kind of just made that up on the spot, so hopefully you liked it. check out the link below. And as a side note, like always, the link below is an affiliate link. But again, I would not be promoting them if it didn't work for me. So hopefully it'll work for you. Again, check it out below myrevive.com Get yours today. And with that being said, Conscious Monkeys, let's get back to the interview. Was there a certain part of your body that you felt like this, this weight was like released from?
1: Yeah, so I feel like It was most all of my body, but specifically my throat. And even as I was coming down. So they say when you purge, you're supposed to like throw up. You're supposed to ask the medicine what it is you're purging physically that you are purging spiritually. And when I threw up instantly, I knew that this was me purging, not speaking my truth and holding back my voice. So I feel like and this has been a huge pattern throughout my life. And as I've gone through this healing process, I've realized how much my throat chakra is blocked and how much I hold back, whether to not um, just like be agreeable and to not rock any boats and just to keep the peace. And I've realized how much of my own voice, I don't open up because I am worried about people's judgments. So I really feel like a key integral part of my healing has been really learning to speak my truth, even if people don't get it or they think it's weird or out there, especially on TikTok. That's been, it's been such a catalyst for me to finally talk about all this stuff that I believe in and that resonates with me and that I've experienced and doing so has helped, I feel like, open up my throat and heal my throat.
0: Mm. And
1: another interesting aspect to this is I've always dealt with chronic congestion and sinus issues. But <laughs> as I've learned to speak my truth and fully open up my throat, I've noticed those have started to dissipate when nothing else would work. Which really yeah, just shows how much of our body, mind and spirit are all connected. And when we heal our spirit, it inevit- inevitab-
0: inevitably
1: inevitably <laughs>
0: inevitably
1: heals our body too. <laughs>
0: uh, no, it's that's honestly a that's a crazy thing in itself is that whenever you and i've personally i think i've noticed it with like weight like uh just body weight like you know whenever i was yeah. in high, whenever i was in high school i was definitely like on the fatter end of the spectrum like probably 240ish but you know i 240ish i mean i had muscle but it wasn't like wasn't by any means 240 for a 6 foot person <laughs> um you know i was probably carrying around 40 I, 40 to 50 pounds of just extra fat that I didn't need at the time. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because as I've, you know, I, I then went into college and I like, was very strict on my diet. I was very rigid. I was trying to figure out what worked. I did like, if it fits your macros, very structured, my masculine sign coming out again, if you didn't notice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so through that journey, like I was able to get my weight under control but it was still something that was heavy. Like weight management was a heavy idea to me. It wasn't something that was just easy, that just flowed for me. And, you know, through this process, I've noticed where, when I've released a baggage of any sort, whether it's, you know, maybe sexual trauma I've had in the past or, you know, scarcity mentality around things to speaking my truth about things. Once I kind of came to a conclusion around it, not a conclusion, That's that sounds too finite, but a more deeper understanding of where these things were holding me back. It's almost like I've, it's like made me physically lighter, but then, or like energetically lighter, but then also from a weight perspective lighter where I've seen fat just disappear. And it's like, I haven't even done anything magical with my diet.
1: Right. Like it just shows how much it's all energy and I actually made a TikTok of showing photos of me before and after ayahuasca, and this was a few months ago, but unfortunately, TikTok took it down, but you really can see in my face how much it has shape-shifted since doing ayahuasca, not that I had a lot of weight in my face necessarily, but it just it just looks different. I feel like it's really shape shifted. And I've let go of so much, especially in my face, that all of it kind of just melted away. And one of my friends, one of my really good friends, she's done ayahuasca too. And we were comparing before and after photos of our faces with ayahuasca. And we were like freaking out because Our faces had changed so much and even though we didn't change anything physically, energetically something had shifted and the proof is in the pudding. If you just look at these photos, you can see it.
0: You should put it back up. It's just
1: crazy that we didn't even have to do anything. It was just all energy we had that we were just letting go of.
0: You should put that video back up.
1: I should. I'll have to re-edit it so that it doesn't get taken down. But I definitely do want to because that was one of my all-time favorite videos. And I was so sad when it got taken down, but I will definitely do that sometime soon.
0: Well, it's interesting because uh, this isn't the first time that I've heard of people's facial structures but maybe it's not your structure. I don't know. See, I don't know. Do you feel like it was your, your bone structure or do you feel like it was the way that maybe like the fat or, or water of your skin kind of sat on your bones? Like, like what, cause I've heard of this before and I've heard people like swear by it essentially where, you know, they're, they're different. I, I don't know if I've really seen any picture evidence of it, but, um, this isn't the first time I've heard that ayahuasca actually like, I don't know, lightens your face or changes it.
1: I don't know what it is, but I feel like it's most likely water or fat, and it's just since we're releasing so much energetically, it just kind of dissipates and goes away, but I didn't even really notice it initially, but I feel like it's one of those things you don't notice at first, but then when you look back and compare it to before pictures, then you can see how much of a Mm. difference is in your face and in your body.
0: It'd be a cool test. Yeah, to, I don't
1: know. That'd be something interesting to look up.
0: It'd be a cool test to like you, you set up your phone with your like your facial recognition before, you know, you do ayahuasca and then after <laughs> and see, <laughs> after, if see if it recognizes you
1: still works.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> probably not for me because I feel like I look and part of me is like, maybe it's just because I'm doing my makeup differently. And because I've gotten a couple of years older, but I don't know, there's, I've talked to people that saw me before and after and they have, they've said that they think my face has changed too. So I don't know.
0: Well, look, I mean, I kind of want to give the devil its due where I have seen, let's say, um, people who have taken pictures of themselves, and then they do this before and after. And I've seen it on like Neville Goddard uh, forums and stuff where people are like, look, I've actually changed my physical appearance. And it's like, well you're just happier like a, like a part of me and i'm just giving the devil's due i'm not saying this is you by any stretch of the imagination i'm just saying that i know i've seen pictures where it's like well you actually just started taking care of your beard better or you're actually smiling and yeah of course you if, if you're <laughs> if you're more aligned with life like yeah if you're just happier like the way you show up the way your energetic imprint shows up is going to be different now with that being said This comes to the next level of where ayahuasca is kind of this deeper, energetically transformative thing, as opposed to just, you know, you know, kind of saying this thing over and over again, that you're, you know, more attractive and being happy with who you are. So I don't know. I mean, to me, it makes sense that it is physically possible to be able to, I mean, from a quantum physics perspective, re change the energetic structure i mean especially from a soul or spirit level of inhabiting inhabiting this body right
1: no totally and i definitely get where you're coming from too because i'll see those forms on reddit and it bothers me so much because i feel like there is a lot of truth to that but i feel like it's so obvious when it's someone just smiling more or just using a different angle on their phone like you can tell but, also, I do believe at the same time that um things can change on a quantum level, especially with something as deep as ayahuasca or plant medicine. So, I feel definitely more inclined to believe um transformational photos of people from plant medicine versus just repeating affirmations. And don't get me wrong, like I love affirmations. I think they're wonderful. I think they can help so much. But I definitely get what you're saying on terms of how transformational they are and the speed at which they do transform you.
0: Mm. Yeah, because maybe the speed is something to touch on where it's like, you know, at the bottom of the list would be affirmations. And then a step up would be like microdosing shrooms. And then, you know, maybe actually doing a therapy session of shrooms. And then at the top of the list is ayahuasca, where you know, you do and a like couple DMT, s- <laughs> DMT, where it's just like fuck. DMT is a crazy thing on its own, right? So that that thing's wild itself.
1: It was so funny too because the way I did my plant medicine journeys, I did it the backwards way. So I started with ayahuasca, then I did shrooms, and then I did microdosing. And normally they say <laughs> to do it the other way yeah. around. But I'm also kind of glad I did it that way because then I did the hardest one first. So then after that, I was like, oh, okay, I can I can do anything. I've done ayahuasca. And then you take a really large dose of mushrooms. Then you're like, oh, dang, I really underestimated these. <laughs> like this is like ayahuasca level as well. So
0: you got to yeah, be careful. Like, you got to be, careful, yeah, you gotta be my, careful. You're challenging Mother Nature now. You can't. <laughs>
1: totally. That's your and ego I coming in. <laughs> totally. No, totally. And like the second you think you got it, it's like, nope, you know,
0: nothing. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, that's I mean, if you want to talk about life parallels, like that's huge in itself where, you know, any literally anything that I've kind of dove into, whether it's computer engineering, whether it's jujitsu, whether it's psychedelics, whether it's spirituality, whether it's quantum physics, whether it's consciousness, there seems to be always this like little level where I'm like oh okay I figured it out I know everything and not it can't be more than a day or two after that you just get slapped in the face with something else and it's like oh shit I actually know nothing at all like it's so wild how it's like this rabbit you have like this mindset where it's like okay this rabbit hole can't get any deeper but then right when you say that it's like this whole galaxy underneath the rabbit hole opens up and it's like yeah and you're just like oh shit like my bad. I'll, I won't make that mistake again. And then then you learn everything about that galaxy and you're like, okay, now I know it all. And then-
1: Now, nope. I, know, now I know everything. <laughs> this time, this time I know everything. Right? Yeah. And then you never do. There's never- I've just learned at this point to not even go there because I know that I'm going to be in for a huge whiplash from the universe if I do.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's. But
1: I mean, it's so, it's understandable though, because I feel like the way our brains are set up is we want to know everything and feel like we know everything because that's how our ego feels mm. safe. So by doing that, it's a protective mechanism, but also it kind of makes us just like cocky, I guess, to <laughs> the wondrous, endless, infinite nature of the universe
0: well and it's like you're saying it's a safety mechanism right because you know you want to be able to feel like you're confident in working in the world and and i think it's probably the you know it's an aspect of just being human you know being this multi-dimensional being that exists on this plane of existence what that like it can span time and space instantaneously and can see the best path for you. And yet, you know, it comes down into be this third dimensional creature that, you know, has to take care of itself, can barely see two feet in front of it. Like, like, you know what I mean? And so, you know, Mm -hmm. in order to have that experience as a multidimensional being, a part of it, like you're saying is that ego and an analogy I've actually been working on recently is like this keyhole idea where, you know, if 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 your multidimensional being is the person, it's like the person is the keyhole where you can only see through such like this small perspective of reality and quantum physics even stating how we can only see point zero 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 one percent of reality. It's like it's like it's like that keyhole. Like that's what we're seeing. And when new information comes in. The border of that keyhole being your ego, you then are. What is it? You are then being confronted with the idea of, okay, do I take this information in and expand out now my new keyhole, expand out my ego, expand the border of myself, or do I stay structured? Got here's that masculine feminine coming in, stay structured and block out this new information and, you know, say that it's not for me or not allow that into my. Perception of reality, almost.
1: Mm. Wow, that just, I love visuals. I'm a very visual person, but I feel like that very beautifully encaptures what your analogy is saying. Because, yeah, at the end of the day, we really don't know anything. And I like how you akin the universe to a keyhole, and that's how much we can actually see in a metaphorical sense and i feel like we can't like see it though even just the keyhole unless we're ready for it and then it expands as our soul wants to expand and i feel like you can say you can say the most profound esoteric concept to someone but if they're not ready for it then they're not going to receive it and it's just going to be like talking to a wall but then also, it's like planting a seed too, right? And maybe eventually that keyhole will open up for them, just not at this time, but at least that seed's been planted so that when they're ready for the information, that it will make sense to them and it will click in their minds.
0: Yeah. And I mean, what kind of pushed me down this line of thinking, and I'm hesitating to bring it up because I think he listens to the podcast, which... Um, if you're listening, I love you, man, but I just, I want to at least give you credit for this because you helped me, you know, think of this analogy was, you know, whenever the mass shooting occurred in Dallas, I believe I I kind of went on a little bit. I, I posted on my Instagram about how there's like no such thing as good or bad and how, you know, there's a lesson in things for people. And, you know, I basically got this backlash from him where it was like, Okay, tell me how it's good. Tell me how it's good. Like you can't just say things are bad, like or or that things aren't good and bad. And you know, to me, that's where the kind of this keyhole analogy actually spanned from, or started from, or was born, essentially. And it comes back to what you're saying. Where I'm sitting there, like, you know, it's like how much effort really answers none. But how much effort do I put into helping someone understand the concept that there's no such thing as good or bad, if? They, if it doesn't fit their keyhole, if they're not opening up their keyhole to incorporate it in, and it comes back to what you're saying as well with the planting of the seed, it's like, you know, I, I mean, maybe, and this is a a small cataclysm, cataclysm of this mass shooting occurring was me to expand this person's perception to even introduce them to the idea of there being no such thing as good or bad, and you know, I, you know, maybe he isn't open to that information now, but maybe there's some other event that will occur in his future that will then bring that forward. And, and by no means, am I trying to say that the only good thing, Oh, geez. Yeah. See, this is a messy conversation because now I'm (laughs) trying to say that the mass shooting was, uh, I totally,
1: I get what you're saying. I feel like it's hard to talk about this kind of topic and also explain what you're trying to say, but I understand what you mean.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> but yeah, I
1: feel like it's just to hard to it. talk <laughs> about some hard to talk about. Um, like, I get what you're saying, I guess is what I'm trying it's, to say.
0: It's hard to talk about because I think whenever you are supplying information for an audience, like if me and you were to talk about this one on one, Like, it'd be super like, oh, I get what you're saying. I know the bigger picture. But whenever I think maybe I'm trying to relay this message for an audience, it probably makes it a little bit difficult because you don't know exactly where everybody is coming at from this information. Like, 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 for instance, if, Mm. if someone's listening to this podcast right now, and they were actually a parent of someone who was at that shooting, like, like, in no chance in hell, am I going to be repeating this type of information to them? Because that's not beneficial for them. You know what I mean? It's not in their highest good in order for them to receive that information. So, you know, if I, right. Bunch of monkeys, if you're looking to start your own podcast, I have the two tools that you need to use to get that show on the road. And the names are Buzzsprout and Riverside. I'm combining these into one ad because, you know, I have honestly had nothing but the best for them, but if you're going to be using one of them, you might be using the other one. So what Buzzsprout is, is essentially the Platform that I use to put my podcast out there. It's the reason you can hear this. That's the reason that I appear on all these different directories. The thing you might also need is that if you're interviewing people, you're going to need Riverside as well. And quite frankly, I'm using it right now to even just record these podcasts because they will even dilate in. Dilate in? I don't think that's the right phrase for it. They will harmonize your voice so that it sounds equivalent. So if I start talking quiet at one point, they have a built in editor that will actually make your voice sound crisp. I highly suggest Buzzsprout and Riverside. Go check out the links below in the description. And like always, these are affiliate links. So I do get a minor kickback if you do sign up with them. However, like always, they are incredible. The support has been on point and they always get back to me. So I highly recommend them if you have any questions they are there to help. So with that being said, go check it out in the link below and let's get back to the interview. (laughs) Like, if I was a student at that school and I posted something like that, it completely shifts the dynamics of what I'm saying. And people are like, dude, how insensitive is Clayton? Like, that's a terrible thing to say. Yet me being divorced from that situation, it lends a different perspective on it, thus providing different answers or lessons from it. Hmm.
1: Right. And really, there's no again, right or wrong perspective. And I feel like people are just out for blood, especially online. And it's so, even I have this issue all the time on my TikTok, I'll say something that I think is fine, but then people just take it completely the wrong way or misinterpret my words and get upset. And I'm like, no, that's not what I meant at all. That's not what I'm saying. But people, I feel like just have a lot of anger inside and they're just looking for an outlet that's impersonal and quick to deal with that and to just pick a fight with with someone, especially with my content, because I feel like something I've noticed is that my TikTok is very polarizing. Either people mm. absolutely love my videos or they hate them and they think that I'm spreading the message of Satan or the devil or that Whoa. I'm just a drug addict, which is so funny to me. <laughs> I feel like people have this perception that I'm just out tripping all the time, but I've only done four, four journeys in my whole life. That's just the niche I've built my TikTok around. So it's so funny what people will say to me online and I'm not even offended by it because I know how out there and not true it is,
0: Good but for
1: you. yeah, again, it's so hard to say, and again, going back to speaking my truth, I feel like this is where I have resistance to speaking my truth because I feel like i've my personality is just very non confrontational, and I just like to keep peace at all costs, maybe that's mm. just the Libra in me, I don't know, <laughs> but. I get what you're saying. It's hard to please everyone. And you can't at the end of the day. So I'd rather just speak my truth and say what resonates with me. And then that way I can sort through the people who aren't aren't for my her who aren't there for me versus who are. And it's almost kind of a blessing in a wakes then your community's that much more stronger when you know that they are really there for you despite you saying or doing things that not necessarily everyone 100% resonates with.
0: Yeah. And there's two really good points that you brought up in there. And the I'm going to just say them real quick, so I don't forget, which is your audience and then the idea of getting triggered. And, you know, it's like, you know, there's a, like you're saying, like, there's an audience in here who listens to this podcast. And if, you know, if I'm trying to articulate my words to fit everybody, then it helps nobody. And so by me, you mm. know, at least being all as honest as I can about this good and bad, it's going to resonate with some and then other people are going to reject it and might never come back. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's good that they don't come back. But then, and this goes to the triggering aspect, is that if this information does trigger them, maybe that's actually a good thing that they get triggered by it. Because I know some of the things where I've been triggered the most in my life, it has caused me to like, you know, now, let's say now, now, whenever I get triggered, I think of, okay, why am I getting mad about this person's keyhole? You know, it's like, it's like I am, Mm. and it comes to me realizing like, wait, I'm viewing the world through my keyhole and they have their completely own interpretation. And yet, because it doesn't jive with mine, I am then recalling pent up anger, pent up negative energy. And just letting it flow through my or resisting its flow through my body. And so, why don't I just let it flow through my body? Like, it's this miraculous chance for healing, understanding a deeper part of myself. And so, to my point, who's to say that by triggering somebody that it's actually a bad thing? Because although you might be pushing them away, you might actually be helping their highest, their highest path whenever it's, you know, like, like the parallel is, is like with you, you were like, I can't wait to do podcasts. Like, this is amazing to do a podcast. I'm so honored to come on and be a, on your podcast. And honestly, I mean, I didn't say this, but it's like incredible to hear that. And I'm honored that I could help you get that journey started. But who are we to say that it is not as like, it, it could be just as for your highest self to get this podcast already started. As it is another person's highest self for me to trigger them. Does that make sense?
1: Right. No, totally. And I feel like there's a lot of negative connotations around the word being triggered. But really, if you again look at it from that higher perspective, what you're really doing is you're giving someone an opportunity to heal something because when you get triggered, it's not for no reason. It's because you have an experience that's, or a belief that's tied to that. And really, it's not the person triggering you. It's actually you, but they're just reflecting that. I feel like it's almost like when you shine your light, it casts other people's shadows. And since they don't see it, then they're going to point the finger back at you when really five mm. more are pointing at them. And really, it's an opportunity for them to heal instead of lashing back out. So I just think it's so interesting how people just get triggered all the time, but really it's it's a good thing. Like like you were saying, it's not a bad thing at all. It's very healing.
0: And I think I think probably the caveat is is that you're at least doing it from your highest level of truth, right? Like for instance, like with your TikTok you've done it four times and you've seen it works. Like you've, you know, you've lived it yourself. You, you physically know, as do I, what your life was like before these experiences and what it's like now after. And it's, I mean, it's literally night and day. Like <laughs> you're literally, we're living literally. In the dark, <laughs> and it's like, now you're like out in the sun and it's like all the flowers are talking to you and life is just amazing. <laughs> and so then whenever you, take that experience and you put it into something like your TikTok, for instance where you know you know the power that it had for you 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 just know it because of your it's wisdom at that point it's not even it's not like you're trying to distill it as knowledge and this was something i recently learned was where like wisdom is actual is not where knowledge meets experience and so Mm. you embody this as wisdom and then you put it out as knowledge right so you're like hey here's knowledge from my experience now what people do with that knowledge is completely up to them whether they reject it whether they accept it but the point is is that you're as long as you're putting out the the truth that you know to be the highest for you uh, I'm losing my I'm losing like how to articulate this but it's like as long as you're putting out what's the highest truth for you no matter how other people accept it that's what would be the highest path for humanity as a whole.
1: Oh, I love that. And yeah, I completely agree with you. I feel like a lot of, I feel like something I've learned too through doing this inner work is that I'm a mirror to people and I just reflect back to them what they feel about themselves. So if they see something that they really love about themselves or love about me, then they also see it in them as well. And I feel like all of us are mirrors for each other too. I just feel like as I've gone more down this path, I feel like it's been a more obvious theme in my life than it was before. But I feel like too, especially with my TikTok, I feel like the reason why people are Starting to get into it is because I don't necessarily fit the mold of someone who does psychedelics. Like I feel like I just look like the blonde Mormon girl next door, and people aren't (laughs) expecting me to be into this stuff and doing ayahuasca journeys. So then, when they see me, it makes them question their belief systems and be like, "Wait, this isn't. She's not the type of person who would be do this kind of thing." Like what this this doesn't make sense then it just starts to unravel that for them so i feel like that's another right. reason why i like doing tiktok so much and sharing my messages around plant medicine is because people don't expect it and it's so funny when i catch people off guard in my real life like i'll have people come up to me and be like what like you're doing ayahuasca like i never would have expected you to be into that <laughs> that is that's so shocking. You are like the last person I would expect that would be into this kind of thing. And it's just so funny to me because it really just shows you how much of our own projections we put onto other people and how just not true they
0: are. It's, yeah. And I mean, the parallel that I'm seeing with my life, you know, is you know, growing up super masculine, right? Sports basically was a math, you know, nerd, computer engineer, you know, all of those boxes. And it's like, wait, you're talking about spirituality now? (laughs) It's like, it's like, that's Get back in your
1: box. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) And then it makes them feel uncomfortable, right? And here's where that projection comes in is it makes them feel uncomfortable because they had placed you in this box. They had viewed your key- You they put you inside their keyhole is exactly what it was. And even though we're these ever changing, ever evolving, multi-dimensional beings, their keyhole doesn't have that idea fit within it. So then whenever you come back as this person who's completely different, they're like, Wait, you're not you're not who you were. It's like what are you doing? Like you can't you're like you're not that person. Of course I'm not. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Like I'm a different person moment to moment like you expect me to be the same person I was three years ago and I feel like it just it's triggering too to people because I feel like their higher selves want to leave that box but they're not letting themselves so when they see other people doing it Mm. then it's upsetting to them but really I feel like it's their higher self trying to nudge them in the direction that their soul's blueprint
0: wants them to go. 110%. I remember whenever I quit my job, um I think I'm gonna have to start saying 111 percent I just realized that, but we'll we'll come back to that. (laughs)
1: Yes, one one one. Why would I stop
0: one (laughs) percent short? Um (laughs) but whenever I quit my job, it was really fascinating because this is something that happened where I quit my job. I was cleaning out all my debt, my desk on the last day. And I come across a lady who I had worked on a project with one time. She's like, oh, and she's talking to another guy who I've seen before, but I've never had this like interaction with him or I've never talked to him before. And so I'm telling her how I'm quitting my job. I have no plan. I'm just going to live in Brazil for two months. She's like, oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. And he says something to the effect of, oh, I wish I was, you know, in my 20s and, you know, was able to do something like that and the way i received that was like this the sign of resentment exactly what you're talking about where you know you know and it's so funny cuz to my mind i didn't say this out loud but in my mind i was like well you were 26 27 at some point in your life like you had that option but it's exactly what you're saying where it's it's coming out as resentment towards me and maybe that was just my interpretation of it who knows but it's coming out as resentment towards me when in actuality it's more of his higher self being like bro, we were trying to break this mold. We were not supposed to work at a military contractor for 30 years. Like that was not in our sole blueprint. Like this is me trying to poke you. You still have time to get out. You're, I mean, 55, like you still have half your life to you, at least half your life. If you're at the age of 55, like you can still change. I'm still trying to poke you, but, but societal conditioning, the ego, it's all wrapped him into this like circle, this keyhole of his, that he has not expanded in X number of years. And therefore then, like you're saying, it's that it's it's and I've never thought of it that way, but it's really that that triggering it's like it's like now that I'm connected or at least more connected, let's say, to my higher self, it almost invokes that triggering within other people's higher selves to get them to re articulate or re or have a different viewpoint on their life.
1: Totally. And I feel like, too, again, like another parallel I've noticed in my life with this is with college, because I was going to a call going to college um for just like a year, just doing undergrad stuff. But I was so unhappy and unfulfilled taking classes about stuff I wasn't even interested in just to get a degree. And don't get me wrong, I think, college is great if you know what you want to do, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't really like any of the career options that college had set out for me. So to me, I was like, why am I spending my one life spending time and money on classes that don't really resonate with my soul and that aren't leading me towards where I ultimately want to go? So I haven't been I stopped going to college, I guess I could say I've dropped out, but I feel like there's like a negative connotation with that because I don't really feel like I dropped anything. I feel like I just evolved into doing what's more in alignment with me, but I noticed that I am not as inclined to tell people that. Instead, I usually just tell people I'm taking a break because I can feel if they're not ready to receive the information about me not really resonating with the school system and just wanting to pave my own path and be an entrepreneur. So I feel like there's definitely, I've noticed there's definitely a time and a place to speak my truth. I feel like once you open up your throat chakra, sometimes it's almost overactive and wants to share Mm. everything with everyone. But I've realized that no, I can't do that because some people just simply aren't going to resonate with the information you share. And it's just going to be a waste of energy and um just won't be beneficial for both parties. So I've realized too, I have to realize when it's my place to speak my truth versus when it's not. But yeah, just again, going back to that parallel of not wanting to do something that's not in alignment with your soul and people not necessarily being ready to hear it and that's okay too.
0: Well, and you bring up a interesting topic that I've actually been thinking about a lot lately with regards to speaking the truth and being honest. And <clears throat> excuse me. There's something here that I'm trying to figure out, right? Like you know you know where is the level of and and maybe this is something that you're finding the balance with as well, but I'm at least going to propose it because I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. I think you might have an answer though. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a level of, you know, speaking your truth to the fullest extent, right? Like, you know, going up to somebody, you know, if the conversation comes up where it's like, oh yeah, I'm this multi-dimensional infinite being. And I've done all this work. I've opened my channel. I've, you know, dove into the Akashic records and figured out about a past life where, you know, sexual trauma occurred. And then now in this life, it's manifesting in this way. And it's like, okay, all of that's true. Right. But it's like, do you, how much do you actually limit telling people certain instances? And you can even boil this down to like a certain situational thing. Like, you know, say for some reason, uh, trying to not make this as a personal example, because that's the only thing that's coming to mind right now, <laughs> but there's like, like say for some reason, if uh, I don't know, but maybe there's a personal example in there somewhere with regards to. um. Well, l- let's just keep it high level then. Cause I can only think of this personal example and it's not the right time to talk about it. <laughs> uh, right. <I> totally <laughs> get
1: that. That's interesting how you bring up past lives. So do you remember a lot of yours very vividly? we
0: well, we can dive into that. There's just one we'll dive into that in a second, but let's let's finish this let's finish this idea of the truth first. So okay. because because exactly what you're saying, and it sounds like you're trying to find that balance, where exactly does the level lie where it becomes a lie? Like at what point mm. is it that you're no longer being truthful because because like, I don't know, like take this as an example, if you're voting for somebody to be president or whatever, you know, you could say, oh, well, I like them more than the other person. Right. And someone's just going to be like, yeah, okay. Like, okay. But why do you like him? Well, I mean, like, where's the level of you diving into this, like 15 page manifesto of, well, I agree with him on this. I disagree with that person on that, this, that, as opposed to just being like, well, I think he's a better candidate. And like, they, they keep pooling for more information, but I don't, I don't know if that for some reason that doesn't feel like a good example. But does it make sense where I'm heading with the question?
1: Yeah, for sure. I feel like sometimes we feel, or I feel like that I have to over-explain myself sometimes. But then, some, t- but now I'm realizing that sometimes it's better to pull back and then just give my truth almost in bite-sized pieces, and give them a little bit here and a little bit. A little bit there and just work up to deeper truths because I feel like if you say everything all at once, then sometimes it can be too overwhelming or off putting for people. But if you just do it in doses, I feel like it's a lot easier to convey what you're trying to say without people getting triggered, if that makes sense.
0: It does. And you kind of like, I guess, build momentum into it, right? Like it's not, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's something that I've been thinking about recently and maybe maybe it makes it a little difficult because even like with this podcast, like, you know, I, I it's not that I avoid bringing it up, but if people like ask what I do and the conversation keeps going towards it, I'll you go, oh, yeah, I've got a podcast. And then it's like, oh, OK, like, well, what about? And then I'm like, oh, kind of like consciousness and spirituality. And it's interesting because whenever I say that, sometimes people will shift the conversation on their own. But then there's a select few who like their eyes kind of light up and it's like, oh, you know, and so you get, oh. th- you get that, yeah, <laughs> you get that vibrational feedback. Like me. Of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, exactly like you. <laughs> and so you get that vibrational feedback of, okay, I got to give them more pieces. All right. They're ready for more pieces. And then. Right.
1: It's almost like you kind of have to test them to see if they're ready. And then once the, you realize the aren't that stuff, it's like, oh my gosh, let's just dive right in.
0: mm. So it's like this level of it's like this level is being like as honest as you can, because because then there's also an interesting idea with the idea of being ready for the information, because if we tie this back into Mm -hmm. what we were talking about earlier with, you know, maybe by triggering somebody, it'll help them evolve. Right. But because like, you know, if you go and talk about reincarnation and past lives with the average person, they're going to reject the information. They might think you're crazy, yada, yada, yada. And so then the question becomes like, does that actually help them? But I guess that's I guess this all comes back to whether or not it actually helps your highest self, because if you constantly are going up to people who don't believe in past lives or Akashic records, whatever, and you keep telling them about it, you're going to constantly be getting this feedback that it doesn't exist. And so at a subconscious level, it might hinder yourself. Uh, So maybe that's maybe that's Mm. where the answer is.
1: That's interesting, and I feel like one thing that's so awesome about social media is you just put your truth out there, whether that's TikTok or a podcast, and then you just attract the people that are meant to listen to them in, and that way you don't even have to deal with the resistance because everyone that is listening to you is a vibrational match, so there's no dissonance or disharmony there.
0: Mm. Yeah. And that's a good point too, because I've noticed that the videos I'll put out on TikTok, it's like, I'll put out what I will put out things that I like a hundred percent believe, or like, like if I figured out like this next evolution or something and I can articulate it within 60 seconds, like, and that's also my barrier is like, if I'm able to articulate something within 60 seconds, then that means that I understand it well enough that I could explain it for like in depth. I don't know if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And so the next level to that is, is like, I'll also put sometimes disclaimers where like, I'll put out an idea and be like, all right, I'm just thinking of this idea, like help me figure out where I'm wrong on this and then launch into the idea. And what I've realized is, is that this is actually another great way that you can expand your own keyhole. Because if you don't fully understand an idea, but you know that there has to be some sort of truth to it, you then get that verbal feedback from other people of, okay, this dude is absolutely insane. Or, okay, I'm kind of on the same page here, but you lost me when you said this. Because now, if someone else doesn't understand it, that gives you introspection to re your own thoughts to yourself.
1: Right. And I think when you come at it from almost a teamwork perspective, like, hey, instead of us arguing about whether we believe who is right or right or wrong let's look at this idea together and then dissect it and be open to whatever the other person is trying to say and what they believe and almost like come together and find a holistic perspective where it kind of fits both but also you don't have to necessarily agree with everything about the other person's perspective But I think just giving people validation and letting them know that they understand where they're coming from or you understand where they're coming from, I feel like completely just dissolves all that tension. And then it just unlocks all these new doors of all these conversations you can have because now it's not like you're going to argue. It's like, hey, let's come together and look at this as a team instead of one versus the other.
0: It's a really good way to put it. And I mean, at the end of the day, like that's essentially what we're doing, right? Is, and I'm all on board with your, like mirror, your mirror analogy. It's like, if, if someone's coming into my life, I, I've really, it's been a pretty transformational when I've actually looked at like, uh, what are they called? Um, what are they called? Jeez, uh, significant others, <laughs> Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I forgot oh, that. I was word.
1: like, "Wait, what?"
0: <laughs> yeah, well, because I remembered what they were called, and I was like, "Wow, how did I forget that?" Um, it happens. <laughs> words are just things, right? Right. <laughs> but it's inter- just
1: vibrations.
0: Yeah. All- <laughs> well, that's another crazy thing is how. Uh, I guess we're going to get into this, which is how, like, I can make verbal vibrations within my throat. I can make vibrations in your throat that make you actually visualize something. Then the next level of it is right. like you go to the whole keyhole theory. It's like I can now l- articulate this idea of the world in an illustrative way that now you're able to have this new perspective. Like To me, that's also just like one of the most mind-blowing things in the world that we're actually able to do that. Conscious monkeys. I've got something out there for all my coaches, anybody who has digital courses, anybody who's creating content, whether it's audio or video, you got to check out Superpass. Superpass is the super dope platform that I've been using now. And they're actually what has enabled my app to work. It's what's enabled me to start generating income and to help people more effectively if you are a content creator you create audio video whatever it may be superpass might be the choice for you because they'll provide you with your own app and they have a great online service they also help you out so i'm not going to put in too much because everything they do is way too much to pack into this one ad I will say, go click the link below because that is where you'll be able to find all the information. This is an affiliate link and I wouldn't be promoting them if it didn't help me. Click the link below and go check out Supa Pass. With that being said, Conscious Monkeys, let's get back to the last segment of the interview.
1: I know, I feel like we just gloss over the fact as humans that we have this tool to be able to, in a way, telepathically communicate without telepathically communicating actually. And I feel like it's like, why don't we appreciate this more? This is so cool. I feel like (laughs) if anything, psychedelics have just helped me appreciate how magical and how miraculous all these aspects of life are. And that's interesting you bring this up because I remember, I don't even remember which journey, but I just remember on one of them thinking about language and how absurd, but also Miraculous and amazing of a concept it was that we could translate vibration that could literally generate images in other people's minds just through our throats, like how cool is that
0: <laughs> I mean I'm on board with you like there's no appreciation for it, like you know you want to break down the idea of miracles like the the pure fact that I can. I can vibrate my vocal cords in a certain way that your ears then vibrate in a certain way that then generates an image within your brain a certain way It is like probably one of the most insane things in the world yet because everybody can do it and we've been doing it for so long it just kind of is it's like but at the end of the right. day like, think like, about how fucking no. insane that is yeah.
1: This is insane. <laughs> Even just our bodies, like how many chemical reactions have to be happening all the time just to keep us alive and breathing. And the fact that we literally can just think and just by thinking, it translates to our body and we can move it exactly how we're thinking about it in our minds. Like how cool is that?
0: And, and something actually that I just got just popped into my head and this actually might help with the illusion of good or bad. It's going to be like a small shift from what we were just talking about, but brings us back to good and bad is where I know within our bodies, there's like billions of microorganisms are constantly at war. Like good and bad bacteria are constantly fighting in order to keep our immune system like active. Like if we had no bad bacteria, we wouldn't have an immune system that would be functioning. That's ready for whenever something worse, quote unquote comes in. And so then, therefore, is the bad bacteria actually bad if it's what is keeping the good bacteria alive?
1: Right. And if you think about it, everything on a microcosmic level is a reflection of the everything on a macrocosmic level. So if it's true on a micro level, then it must be true on a macro level for everything else as well.
0: That's... Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: That made so much sense in my brain i'm so <laughs> glad you brought that up <laughs> that's
0: the first time i ever kind of realized that
1: yeah that was brilliant oh my gosh thank
0: you thank you i'm gonna have to clip that soundbite of you saying it's brilliant and throw that in an ad or something <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: an ad for probiotics because you're talking about probiotics.
0: Gut <laughs> should we start a probiotics line is that what we need to do oh my now?
1: gosh we should i actually was Um, reading through like these Instagram slides about probiotics and like your gut microbiome before I came on this podcast. Really, that's very synchronistic how you brought that up as well. Uh,
0: They're just falling in.
1: Oh, oops! I just pulled on my headphone cord.
0: Are you good? I hear you.
1: I think it's okay. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, but that's but then that's interesting. So, like, should we actually call it like conbiotics? Because, like. there's no such thing as good or bad <laughs> no
1: literally let's do it all
0: right i'm down for it i don't really know anything about packaging probiotic materials but we could figure it out
1: yeah we'll figure it out yeah you
0: got to start somewhere it starts with the idea
1: <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> con
0: conbiotics the the we're gonna have to think of a cool tagline something about no such thing as good or bad there's something here there's something here
1: I feel like there's something here.
0: Let's uh we'll just leave it as like a um teaser for people because we can't give them the whole marketing plan yet.
1: Oh no, of course not. Just a little <laughs> bit just to get them interested.
0: Maybe we'll put a little bit of psilocybin in it too for microdosing purposes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're probiotics and their microdosing supplements. I mean, what more could you want?
0: Sounds like a win-win to me.
1: Basically, you'll be enlightened if you have them. So, uh
0: <laughs> enlightened whoa that's weird my entire screen just started getting fuzzy um oh no yeah that's not good because now i can't
1: uh <laughs> oh shoot can you still see me no
0: i can't see you at all my entire um screen went fuzz uh so this is bad radio but
1: <laughs> oh no
0: <laughs> oh it's bad. Oh, maybe i just need a- i
1: can still see you i'm back
0: all right cool Sorry about that, guys. That was bad radio. Definitely going to keep that in. So <laughs> um, you got to
1: have the comedy here and there. Yeah.
0: Can't have all this just flow state. Can't be perfect flow state the entire time.
1: <laughs> right. Duality. Good and bad.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> people people are going to start thinking I'm quote unquote perfect. I don't even like saying that. That didn't feel right to say.
1: <laughs> but. I love how everything that we're talking about kind of ties into all the other subjects and they all kind of interconnect.
0: Yeah, Uh, it's, I mean, this goes back to how everything's interconnected from the level of your brain to the level of the universe. And even what we were just saying there was about the idea of, what would I say? Vibration? Oh, that didn't feel right. Like, there's something here as well. Mm. And when we talk about truth as well is, and this is something I think that's come up before where like- If you lie, like you can even say something like along the lines of like, you know, if if you're Marissa, like I could say I'm Clayton and then I could say I'm Marissa. There's like a very subtle energetic imprint whenever I say that, that I know energetically that I'm lying whenever I say I'm Marissa. Does that make sense?
1: Mm. No, totally. And I feel like there's so many, the more I think about it, there's so many subtle things of examples of energy in my life that you wouldn't necessarily think it's energy, but it really is like, I feel like one example of this is like, when you like, go over to your friend's house and like, they're not there yet, but you can still feel like their presence that has been there and their energy. Mm. Like, I was just thinking about this because I was dog sitting for my best friend. She was on a cruise last week and even though she was gone, I could still feel like her energy and what it was like to be around her, even though she wasn't there because I was just in her living space, you know, so if you think about all these little instances of energy. It doesn't seem like this crazy, like esoteric out there concept. It's very applicable, I feel like, even down into your everyday life.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's even like with dogs, I remember where they actually figured out with dogs that, you know, they used to think that, so like whenever you would leave your house and come back, um, they used to think that dogs knew when you were coming, like, you know how the dogs usually always at your door? Well, they used to Mm -hmm. think that what it was is that, you'd been gone for a certain period of time. And so the dog like already knew the mechanism of what time it was. So it was getting ready, but they actually did a bunch more tests and the dogs can actually just like feel the subtle energetic imprint of you coming closer to the house. And so then,
1: Oh my God.
0: Yeah. And so then they actually know when you're coming, no matter what time it is, no matter when it is, if they're assuming they're awake, my dog's been asleep quite a bit whenever I've come home. So I haven't experienced it, unfortunately, but (laughs) If they're awake, (laughs) they can feel that subtle energetic imprint of you coming back to the house. And then that's like their cue to kind of get up to the door and get ready for you to come in.
1: Oh, my gosh, that's wild because her dog... Like if one of her other family members comes home before they even get there, her dog will like perk up and we always know, oh, that's when someone's going to pull in in a minute or so because she's standing up and ready to go meet them. And I always thought that wow. it was just kind of because she had super good hearing and I'm sure that's maybe that could be part of it, but it makes more sense that it's more of an energetic thing and she's sensing that someone's coming in so that way she she can detect it before anyone else. And it just shows how in tune animals are too. I feel like animals and kids are so intuitive and psychic. And I feel like that's always a good test to know if someone's a good person is if your dog or cat likes them. Because I feel like they're just, they can sense good energy and they know if someone's a good person or not. So we should, moral of the story, always listen to our dogs and our cats.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm down for that moral <laughs> of the story. Um, have you, have you seen, speaking Can you of still kids, hear you hear me? Yeah. Are you able to hear me? Oh no. Did we lose her? Are you there? Can you hear me?
1: Yeah. I lost you for a second.
0: Uh, Okay, but I hear you now. (laughs) All right, cool. Okay, the The, connections uh, back. (laughs) Yeah the the audience is getting thrown for a loop on this one. Um, what was I? What were we saying? Oh, the kids. Have you seen um, have you seen where like kids remember past lives, and they like point out where they were like murdered (gasps) in a past life? Yes. Yeah.
1: Oh my god, I was just binging a bunch of those last week. Oh my god, they're insane, right?
0: Yeah, they like can point out like who yeah, did it, where this... the murder weapon is.
1: Yeah. Oh my god, it's so crazy.
0: What was What were yeah, you? Finding? I was
1: listening to this one. Oh, sorry. What was that?
0: Oh, I feel like we're like off on a lag or something. Hmm. I'm getting a delay now. Oh,
1: I think. Yeah, me too. All
0: right, maybe I'm going to assume that this is a sign <laughs> that we're supposed to wrap it up. I'm going to listen to the energy of the universe on this one. <laughs> um, I'm so, sorry, I
1: tested the Wi-Fi. I don't know what's going on. It's
0: not. It's not your fault. This is. This is just what happens. You just. This is a one of those things to just listen to the universe and just. We got to wrap it up whenever they say. You know, it's out of our control. <laughs> yeah, but. Marissa, you'll be back on for sure. Um, But I usually give this moment to let uh, my guests. um, I usually give this moment for my guests to just plug anything that you want, encourage the audience to do anything. Uh, You know, the floor is yours and just know that I'll throw your your links in the um, in the show notes. So, yeah. So take it away.
1: Awesome. Yeah, well. Yeah, like I said, I'm on TikTok at Divinity by Mi- by Missa, and I'm on Instagram as well. So go check me out on there. And yeah, thanks for having me. That's about all I have left to say. It's been so much fun. I'll definitely have to have you as a guest on my podcast when I launch that. So,
0: Missa, yeah. I appreciate it, Missa. Um,
1: oh, thank you. <laughs> i remember when we were talking about um me coming on how i said that people are i people call me marissa when they don't know me as well but then once they're my friend they call me Missa. so i love that you remember that
0: (laughs) i'm I'm glad that you remembered it as well (laughs) well guys go check uh go check her out all the links below um Sorry, we cut this one short because of the technical stuff, but you know we were—you can't mess with the divine. Whenever they tell you to do something, it's in everyone's best interest to pull the cord. Um, next time, we'll have to get into afterlife, past lives, little kids and their past lives, and
1: oh my gosh, uh, yes, that's one of my favorite subjects. So I would love to dive into that.
0: And it's crazy that they're cutting us off, but may, but hey, we got to save it, right? Got to have the cliffhanger for people
1: right (laughs) um
0: well again Missa, i really appreciate your time thank you for coming on guys go check her out especially if you're interested in microdosing at all she's got super dope content on tiktok and i mean it'll it'll make you laugh and then you also have an appreciation for it as well um but with all that being said let's keep growing together